Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lenz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about our live stream church services, the Walk in Truth podcast, how to donate, and how to find us on social media when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part three and the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians chapter 1, 18 through 2, 10, called Getting Acquainted with Grace. Galatians 2, 1. Some of you looked at this section and you said, Pastor Michael's got a big chunk this morning. Yeah, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. Let's keep going. Then, another chronological reference. After an interval of... 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem. Now he's got Barnabas with Barnabas, the guy with the biggest heart in the early church, and he took another man named Titus along also. For 14 years, now scholars say they're not sure if this is from Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus or from the, earth, the meeting three years later, but either way, it's a decade or more that Paul was preaching the gospel that he had been given from heaven independent of the other apostles. He was going out and preaching the gospel. And here's, what, here's what happens. No matter if you're in Corona or Cuba, if you're a Christian, you can be moving in the gospel ministry and people can, can be getting saved by the same message, the same power, the same God anywhere in the world. That's exciting, isn't it? And if you travel somewhere and you meet another Christian in another country, it's so exciting to meet believers in other countries. I've met them in Israel and in India and in Nepal. And they smile, kind of like a smile like we have up on the screen. And, and you just want to hug them and hold on to them because you know that we have a common grace in our lives. We know Jesus. We have the same King, the same Lord, the same Spirit. And Paul says, look, I operated, he, he has here a period of 14 years, and then he went back to Jerusalem. He says, then, after an interval of 14 years, I went up again. You always go up again to Jerusalem because it's a city on a hill. And Paul continues to advance the argument that he preached his gospel independent of the apostles. The Judaizers were saying he was dependent on them. Paul says, no, I'm not. Now, in the book of Acts, I want to take you to a, a couple of stories where you can see what happened with Peter and how Peter knew that the gospel was a gospel of grace. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, chapter 10. So there's an early guy uh, in the stories in the book of Acts named Cornelius. He was a Roman centurion, a Gentile, non-Jew. And Peter had been summoned. He was up on a rooftop. He was praying. He fell into a trance. He saw the sheet come down from heaven uh, just just. To summarize a, a lengthy chapter, he was summoned by the Holy Spirit to go with certain men to preach the gospel to a man named Cornelius, who uh, I think was associated with the Italian band, which was a backup band for Sinatra, just so you know. Anyway, they sang, we did it God's way. Anyway, never mind. Now, Paul, Peter was apprehensive as a Jew to enter into this Gentile dwelling. But Peter is preaching Acts 10, check out verse 43. Of him, Jesus, all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him, Jesus, receives forgiveness of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, what happened? 
the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. And all the circumcised believers, Jews, who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured upon, out upon the Gentiles also. For they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. And then Peter answered, Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay on for a few days. You see, the Holy Spirit came upon Gentiles without circumcision, without baptism, in the middle of a sermon. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Without even a close or an altar call. All right, we'll dim the lights, we'll play the music now. If there's anyone here who is not, right? We're used to that. That's okay. But the Lord just did the work and they started speaking in other languages and the circumcised believers turned over to Acts 15 who were there were like, wow, these people are saved. How can you have the Holy Spirit and not be saved? No circumcision, no baptism, no keeping of the food laws, not wearing the right stuff, not going through a full conversion into Judaism. Saved by... Now check out Acts 15... Verse 1, now some men came down from Judea, Acts 15, 1, began teaching the brethren, unless you are what? Circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. So this is related to salvation. And when Paul and Barnabas had great dissension and debate with them, the brethren determined that Paul and Barnabas and some others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders concerning this issue. This is a later time. Therefore, being sent... Uh, On their way by the church, they were passing through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles, were bringing great joy to all the brethren. When they arrived at Jerusalem, they they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported uh, reported all that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed stood up saying, It's necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. They've got to do this extra stuff. The apostles and the elders came together to look into this matter. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brethren, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles, he's talking about the house of Cornelius now, would hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God who knows the heart testify to them, giving them the Holy Spirit just as he also did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why do you put God to the test by placing upon the neck of the disciples a yoke which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way as they also are. And all the people kept silent and they were listening to Barnabas and Paul as they were relating what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. And then James will also step up and speak. Here's the point. There is not anything to add to grace. 
If someone tells you, back to the book of Galatians, oh, you prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Oh, there's much more to it. Now you've got to do this to be saved, that to be saved. Don't believe it. Because if the Gentiles heard the gospel and received the Spirit, who is the guarantee of our redemption, he's God's down payment guaranteeing our future redemption then there's nothing to add once you got the Spirit. You got the Spirit. Right? The Lord lives inside of you. He's doing the work from the inside out, not from the outside in. And man-made religion says, no, you got to do it from the outside in. Clean it up. Scrub yourself. Do this. Check this box. And God says, no. You are saved by grace, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not of works, so that no one can boast. We've got to get acquainted with grace. Amen? Amen. It's sufficient. Back to Galatians 2. We'll move rapidly, said the preacher. <laughs> now, it was because, Galatians 2.2, of a revelation apocalypsis in Greek, uh, a revealing that I went up. And there are many who believe that this was an independent revelation, just God directed Paul. But there's a revelation given by a prophet named Agabus. Write down for your notes, Acts eleven twenty seven through 30. Agabus, uh, who some say his name means locust in Hebrew, uh, gave a prophecy of a coming famine that would hit the Roman world. And so a collection was taken for the poor saints of Jerusalem to make sure that they were taken care of. And that's probably why Paul went. We can't be dogmatic. He says, I went up and I submitted to them the gospel, you and Gelion in Greek, which I preach among the Gentiles. But I did so in private. This was not the Jerusalem council we read about in Acts 15. To those who were of reputation. Now Paul's second visit many years later was motivated by a revelation. He submitted the gospel. See the word submitted there? That means to communicate, to declare, to set forth. He did it in private to those who were of reputation. We're going to see in verse 9, it was Peter, James, and John that are named. For fear that I might be running or had run in vain. Now there are many people who study the book of Galatians and say, oh, Paul submits the gospel to the pillars of the church, namely Peter, James, and John, to get their endorsement or approval. That seems not to make sense. Listen to Schreiner. How could Paul be running in vain if he knew the gospel he preached was from the Lord? Does Paul confess doubts here about the legitimacy of his gospel? Is he suggesting that he counseled in private the Jerusalem leaders because he harbored private reservations about what he preached? Did he spend the first 10 plus years in ministry in suspense, wondering if his gospel was truly given to him by God? All interpretations of this, for, of this sort should be rejected, for they contradict the whole of Paul's argument to this point. Well, then what would Paul be saying? What would be his main concern that he had been potentially running in vain? Maybe this. Maybe that all the Gentiles that he had brought to faith in Jesus, he would introduce them to Jewish brethren only to have Jewish brethren say, you don't belong here, you don't fit with us because you haven't been circumcised, which is the 
Abraham, sign of the Abrahamic covenant. You haven't been converted into full Judaism. You don't have our kosher diet. We're going to read about diet uh, later on in chapter 2. You don't, you don't do what we do. Therefore, you're not accepted by us. And Paul was concerned about the unity of the church, the acceptance of the church, and the furtherance of the gospel. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you, kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Hey, Shane Lance here, and I wanted to take a quick moment and encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer. This is a quick read from scripture with a little bit of commentary, and it's a great way to keep you growing in your walk with the Lord. In our crazy society right now, with all the things we jam-pack into our schedule, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes it's hard to find time to study God's Word. But it is so important as we grow in our relationship with the Lord to study His Word. It's such a vital aspect to our walk. You can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Again, that's Step Closer as one word to 33222. We really believe here at Walk in Truth that this can be a great instrument in helping you grow in your relationship with the Lord. So once again, we'd encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer, and you can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Paul was concerned about the unity of the church, the acceptance of the church, and the furtherance of the gospel. God forbid, God forbid that we don't elevate peripheral issues in the church to divide us with people who worship a little different than us, come from a different culture, do things a little differently. I did a wedding for a Nigerian couple some years ago, and they had me dress in the African garb. There was Pastor Michael. Yeah. I had the, the silky thing on and the colors and the hat. And at this wedding, they took an offering for the bride and groom in the middle of the ceremony. People came up, dropped the money in, and they started dancing around the offering dish. And yeah, yeah. Now at weddings, you know, usually it's something like this. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to join in holy matches. Oh, it was none of that. It was, yeah, yeah, in the, in the middle of the church. So later on, they had invited me to the, the dinner. And, you're, you know, they have, it's amazing how they respect the pastors and stuff. And did you hear that? Anyway, never mind. And so, just kidding. That was a joke. So I walked in, in the garb, and just to let you know, I was one of just a few white folk in the room. All right? So I come walking in, and I had the garb on. And everybody in the room turned around. And they went, yeah! And I walked in, yeah! It was cool. We all love the Lord. We all have experienced the grace of God. 
I could put on the African garb. Now, was it my sweet spot? No! <laughs> but, verse 3. <laughs> that was not in my notes. None of it. Verse 3. But not even Titus, Gentile, who was with me, though he was a geek, I mean a Greek. Sorry. <laughs> that was planned. Was compelled to be circumcised. Now, if circumcision saves, get this, Barnabas the encourager, Titus the Gentile, used mightily by God. There's a book written to Titus. Partner, co-worker of Paul. If circumcision is necessary for salvation, Titus is sitting there, and you're kind of like, living example, Titus is saved, not circumcised. This is a big meeting. Now, if you're Titus here, you're like, please, Lord, please, Lord, please, let him... Let him say circumcision is not necessary for salvation. Please, Lord. <laughs> Can I get a witness? Anyway, never mind. So, if circumcision is necessary for salvation, you've got to do something more. Well, then wouldn't the pillars of the church, Peter, James, and John, have demanded that Titus, a Gentile, be circumcised? But they didn't. One writer says, to say works are necessary evidence of salvation is not the same as saying that works are the ultimate basis of salvation. The true gospel was so opposite of what even Paul had practiced in his own life. The law is good, but the law could not make Jews holy. It only exposed their sin, and it cannot make you and me free. Now, it was because of the false brethren who sneaked in to spy out our liberty. I don't know if they snuck into the meeting or the church, which we have in Christ Jesus in order to bring us into bondage. Now, there were some sham brethren, some false brothers, apparently outside the circle of the redeemed, says one writer, who snuck in and tried to bring bondage. The false brothers were stuck in bondage. This is Shriner. Like prisoners, they came to see what freedom in Christ is like. But they did not arrive as prisoners who longed to be free, but as those who desired to bring others into bondage with them. Sadly, this is typical of what happens with a false gospel. There are many people in bondage today who don't know they're slaves. So they sneak in to see what Christian freedom looks like. They got flashlights, helmet lights on their... What's going on around here? Hey, hey, take that smile off your face. This is church we're in. Can't smile in here. Whisper, whisper. We only play. When you walk in here, you must look like you just ate a banana upside down. <laughs> Helmet light. What are you doing over there? What are you eating? That's not a bologna sandwich, is it? You don't have that processed cheese on there, do you? Light. What's going on with all that? They came here to spy out our liberty. What are they doing over there? But not to know what freedom looked like, but to bring us into their bondage. Sad, isn't it? Do you know that's what major cults in our world do? They're enslaved, and they convince you that you need to be enslaved to be right with God. Join us in the jail. Come on over here, others. What? 
No, I'm free in Christ. No, you're not. Come in here with us. We'll tie the, we'll put the chains on you a little bit tighter so you can experience what? In Galatians 3 and 4, Paul argues that subjection to the law does not bring freedom, but enslaves. Requiring law for salvation does not free people from sin, but places them under the reign of sin. Reverting to the law is a yoke of slavery because human beings cannot keep the demands of the law. Hence, they groan under the law's demands, which they cannot fulfill. Some years ago, a sweet sister in Christ told me she was at a hospital with a Jehovah's Witness who had a sick child, and I think they've changed some of their rules on this, and they would not give the child a blood transfusion. And the, and the mother was in agony over the, the situation, the health of the child. And the mother had other Jehovah's Witness leaders coming in there and saying, don't give that child a blood transfusion. Why? Because they feared that the child would lose their salvation and the mother would be condemned for allowing such a thing, which is a total misinterpretation of the Bible. That is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible's not talking about blood transfusions when it mentions blood. And they put the woman in bondage and her child's life on the line for a false gospel that enslaves. Do you hear what I'm saying, folks? This is an example of what happens. But from those who are of high reputation, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no, no partiality. Well, those who are, who are of high reputation contributed nothing to me. Those men added nothing to my message NIV. But on the contrary, seeing they saw that I had been trusted with the gospel, you can see grace in people's lives, to the uncircumcised, the Gentiles, just as Peter had been to the circumcised, for he who effectually worked for Peter in his apostleship to the circumcised Jew effectually worked for me also to the Gentiles. We were both doing the work. And they didn't want Titus to be uh, circumcised. They knew God's grace was all over the situation. And recognizing the grace that had been given to me, James, Jesus' half-brother, who became a believer, Cephas, that's Peter, and John. There you have Peter, James, and John who were reputed to be pillars, gave to me and Barnabas not the left boot of disfellowship, but the right hand of fellowship, that we might go to the Gentiles and to the circumcised. They said something like this, Paul, Barnabas, Titus, we love you, man. This is so awesome. God is so good. Be blessed. And they shook on it, if you will. They, they said, yes, we agree this is the gospel, and it's for all people everywhere. Every tribe, tongue, and nation can be saved. They only asked me to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Father, thank you as we uh, have wound down this message. I thank you for the good news of the gospel. As communion now will come around, and we will celebrate uh, remembrances of your grace and goodness in our lives, we know that Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, came down. The face of grace, we beheld his glory. I can imagine John and James and Peter sharing with Paul the Mount of Transfiguration. We saw his glory, we touched him. The Prince of Life. Maybe they took communion together. 
And they remembered your pierced body and shed blood. Thank you for your grace, Lord. Thank you that we're accepted in the beloved. If you don't know Jesus right now, if you're not sure you're a Christian, the Bible says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. You can become rich spiritually. You can be the richest man, woman on the planet. It's all about grace. Before these elements go around, if you don't know that you're saved, cry out to him, Lord Jesus, would you save me? You've been listening to Getting Acquainted with Grace, Part 3 on Walk in Truth, the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 1.18 through 2.10. And remember, you can always watch the video of this message on walkintruth.com. Just so you know, Pastor Michael is the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. As things have slowly reopened, you're invited to attend either our Wednesday night service or one of our Sunday morning services. As to keep with social distancing guidelines, you'd have to register to go to one of the services, but it's easy enough to do that when you visit walkintruth.com and click on church. Also, if you don't live in Southern California or you'd rather watch online, we do live stream the services as well. So you can find Living Truth Christian Fellowship on YouTube or by going to walkintruth.com. Either online or in person, Pastor Michael would love to meet you. And one more thing. Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Your $5 donation helps us broadcast on radio, provide the podcast, and do our free apologetic events. All for the sole goal to equip you as a believer or help you learn more about Jesus if you're not a Christian. So please give your donation at walkintruth.com and join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians chapter 2, 11 through 14 called Living the Gospel. Hey, we encourage you to make time to read ahead. So again, tomorrow's teaching is in Galatians 2, 11 through 14. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.